0: Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Score Podcast. Today I'm joined by former Derby County and Nottingham Forest manager, Billy Davis. We discuss Billy's signing for his boyhood club Rangers, getting into football management, his spell at Motherwell, winning the championship playoff with Derby County and what's next for him in his career. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So growing up, Billy, was the plan always to be a footballer?
1: Well, I've got to tell you, Scott, that from a very early days, way back... Uh... Growing up in Pollock, in the Pollock area, I can remember, you know, very, very, very early, probably between six and ten years of age, I always remember always wanting to have a ball, always wanting to go outside and knock it against the wall and dribble, dribble in and out of the, the jackets and the shirts and God knows what else. And I've got to say, Scott, that from the very early stages, and I've said this before, I can remember my mother getting me, I think I was about eight years of age, getting my first strip, being a Norwich City strip. Don't know why, but that's where she got me. Uh, Obviously, moving on from there, uh, in the primary school, Leithland Primary, and and kind of moved on through through there into, obviously, joining Paul United Boys Club. And obviously, you grew up as a a Rangers man. Did you go to a lot of the games? Well, I I remember going to a lot of games uh, with my dad, Scott. Obviously, uh, you know, he took me to a fair amount of matches, I can remember always standing at the at that time standing in the Rangers end, <laughs> bouncing up and down, and uh, you know it was it was great days back then. I've got to say, uh, you know it was absolutely first class uh, looking at looking at you know the, the football back then. Yeah, and who were some of the players that you looked up to growing up? Well, at that time, Scott, I've got to say that it was a it was a great club to join. Obviously, um, you know I remember the likes of the, the Tommy McLeans, the Ali McDonalds. Uh, The Peter McCloys, Sandy Jardin, Bobby Russell, Jim Bett, Davy Cooper. You know, that was all the guys, Scott, that I remember greatly. uh, And and joining that club, obviously, um, was was a a, got to say, very, very proud moment.
0: And uh, obviously when you were playing in your youth career, you played with Manchester United for a year. What was that like?
1: Well, let me just say, going back to the Rangers thing, before we go to the Man United thing, I've got to say, and I've been told if I don't say this, then there's going to be trouble. My favourite player at Rangers was a guy called Gordon DL. Gordon (laughs) DL. He's told me, Scott, if I don't say that he's my favourite player, and also if I don't say that, if I don't mention the fact that in the 1983 Scottish Cup final, it was DL that ran down the right-hand side, it was Gordon DL that crossed the ball to the back back post to the Salmon called Billy Davis And uh, I remember knocking that header in and the goal getting disallowed. But he's told me, Scott, I need to mention that to you. (laughs) I've got to say, he's my (laughs) favourite. Oh, that doesn't shock me at all, man. I think you play golf with DL, don't you? We do, Scott. Yeah, we get together. We play a lot of golf and sometimes go a bit of cycling. But uh, I've got to say, at Rangers, we didn't really know each other that well. We obviously disappeared from each other's company for many, many years. And then uh, the Dazzler got in touch, brought him down to, to Nottingham. And since that day, Scott, he's been the bugbear of my life, since, since that day he come down. <laughs> I, I, think it, was, I think he thinks him, it, himself think he thinks a good golfer, did not he? Well, he is a very good golfer, I've got to say. that. I, I, I need to give him credit where credit's due. He is excellent at the golf, and uh, he's very competitive, as you can imagine, but he certainly can swing that golf club. Uh, I think he's still on Super Scobble, didn't he? So I'm not listening to Super Scobble at all. Yeah, yeah, he's still doing the, still doing the radio and still talking about all his usual nonsense, Scott. But uh, <laughs> as I said before, I, I need to get that button, otherwise he said he's going to, he's going on to me.
0: <laughs> but obviously, back to Manchester. United, then, um, what kind of players did you play with back
1: then? Excuse me. Well, I've got to say it was very interesting, Scott. Uh, I remember going down, uh, probably from about the ages of 12, I went down there. Uh, School holidays, 12 to maybe 15, 16. There was a guy called Jimmy Dickey who took me to Manchester, the Chief Scout of Manchester United at that time. Over, I think over 50 years, the Chief Scout. Took many, many quality players down there, the Brian McClare's, the Martin Buckins, the Gordon McQueens, the Gordon Strackens. And then I started to go down as a young player, traveling up and down, and obviously going down to what was an absolutely fantastic time. I remember when I when I was when I was going down there. Uh, we went to Switzerland in a kind of youth tournament. In that team, there was Mark Hughes, Clayton Blackmore, Norman Whiteside, Stephen Pears, a lot of excellent, excellent uh, young young players. Scott, you know, and uh, it was a great memory. And of course, in the first team, you just look at the names: Jimmy Greenoff, Brian Greenoff, uh, Martin Buchan, uh Gordon McQueen. I've got to say, uh, Joe Jordan, Steve Copple. I could name them, Scott, and go on and on and on.
0: And then after, you left, after you left Manchester United, you, you signed for Rangers. Uh, that must have been a proud
1: moment for yourself and the family. Well, it was a difficult one because at that time, I was offered a five-year contract with Manchester United. Uh, my dad and my mother were offered a house in Manchester and they were intending to give my dad a job or get my dad a job. So when I come back to the Switzerland tournament, I've got to say, between that and staying in the halls of residence in Manchester, I just took a bit of homesickness. It was as simple as that. Then, of course, I came back uh, and eventually joined Rangers on a five-year contract with, with John Gregg and and John Gregg's uh, team in behind him. Oh, and
0: obviously, there were some big characters uh, during that time. Have you got any brilliant stories from your time at Rangers?
1: Brilliant, brilliant stories. Lots lots of great fun at Rangers, I've got to say, as a young player. Lots of excellent players, as, as I mentioned earlier to you. It's always difficult as a young player. Uh, looking at my time there... Uh, I never played as often or as regular as I would have liked to. It was probably the wrong place at the wrong time, but it gave me a great education those five years. I eventually signed, I think it was a year's month to month, uh, take me into my sixth year, Scott, and uh, it was just unfortunate. A big change came in, Greggy left, Jot Wallace came in, Graham Soonis eventually came in with all the big name English signings. And then it was just time for me to go on to Pastures New. But I've got to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the education and I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. And you see during your time at Angels, who were some of the players that looked after you? Well, you've got to say, at that point, uh, I remember every every morning, wee Doddy used to remind me about his studs at the bottom of his boots by rubbing it down the back of my leg. Uh, People like Tommy McLean, uh, people like Big Derek Johnson was there, Big DJ used to stand and obviously do a lot of crossing for him hit me go and head that ball into the back of the net people at like Jim Bet, Jazzer Bet was a, was a fantastic lad Bobby Russell and all these guys and then the experienced players Scott you know the Sandy Jardins the Peter McCloys the Tommy McLeans the Colin Jacksons the Alec Millers they were huge experienced players that, that reminded you every day of the standards at Rangers and then what were the team nights out uh, like I can imagine they were pretty wild well as a young player Scott I've got to say that they, 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 the only thing I can remember as I remember the abuse I got uh, running up and down the San Sand Dunes. Uh, if he didn't step into the, the, the man ahead of you, into his, his footprint, then all of a sudden there was a lot of slaps and a lot of kicks from these experienced players. But nice out, Scott. was it was it was, Listen, it was great. It was a great team spirit back then. I was just a young player. I remember making my debut over in the Canadian Red Leaf Tournament. Uh, a very serious incident happened with, with Ali Dawson when he took a head knock. And uh, that was a a, a terrible situation, but I made my debut just before my 16th birthday against Ascoli of Italy and it was a great memory and a fantastic proud moment for me. But uh, tremendous, tremendous players, tremendous squad and a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere.
0: And uh, you finished your uh, career at Mullowell and then you went straight into management. When did you realise that
1: you wanted to become a manager after your playing career? Well, it became, it was a bit strange because, you know, as a as a player in my mid-20s, I I was already coaching and I was out there two, or three times a week coaching boys clubs and amateur teams and junior teams and council teams and girls teams, you name it, Scott, I was out two or three times a week and I thoroughly enjoyed when somebody asked me to do a bit of training, I went out and done the training. Then, of course, I joined Motherwell and then, as a player, became the kind of under-15 coach with a of. Stephen Pearson and James McFadden and Stephen Hamill. And then from that, I got into the kind of 21s, under 2021. Uh, and then from there, moving on into the kind of first player, player manager of the club, where again, young guys like Keith Lastly were tremendous in the background and, and went on to have a great career. And they obviously in your first season at Motherwell
0: as a player coach, you kept them in the league. And then the following season, you got them into Europe. What was that feeling like for yourself?
1: Well, it was obviously, it was, it was, uh, a very proud time because when I first joined the club, uh, the first season was obviously a battle. I think we finished seventh, Scott. But it was a, I remember it was a battle. And then, of course, the next season, we brought in a lot of very experienced players, the Andy Gorums and the Jed Brannins. And John Spencer was another one that came in. And a whole range of quality, quality players uh, came into that squad. I think at that time, we gave Rangers and Celtic a really good run for their money. Uh, But unfortunately, in the end, we just couldn't quite get there. But again, a real, real experienced squad. uh, Taught me an awful lot as a young manager. And again, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. And who were some of the big characters during your time at Motherwell? Well, of course, you've got the goalie. The goalie was always a big character. You can never uh, forget the goalie. Um, Again, there was all sorts of young players coming through. The Lee McCulloch was coming through, big jig. Uh, Keith Lastly, as I said, was, was, was very prominent And he was certainly on a good good pathway Then, of course, you've got the, the Stephen Hamills And people like that, Martin Corrigans But, uh, you know, the, the, the experienced players that we brought in Don Goodman, who's now Sky Sports Don came in, vastly experienced guy uh, And uh, it was it was a joy to work with these young and old players And anyway, what would you say was uh, your biggest result At your time in Motherwell? Biggest result, oh, I, I would probably say, Scott, and I'm going to please you here, but I would probably say I remember beating Celtic at Celtic Park. I think it was John, I think John Barnes was the manager and uh, it was a tremendous result for us. Obviously, anything you pick up at Ibrox and Celtic Park as a provincial club is obviously a massive result. But I do remember that being a very enjoyable night. And what did you say to the players before before the game, like going into a game game at Parkhead? Scott, you've just got to try and prepare the whole week, your team and your players. You've got to try and be as positive as you can. You know how difficult it is going to these grounds. You know the difference in the squad quality and also the squad spend. So you know know where you're going. But if you can try and be as organised as you can, need a little bit of that lady luck, as we know. And uh, if you go there and you've got a little bit of confidence and it's always possible. So it's uh, it certainly was uh, a very good good night. And likewise was the, the, the Rangers win. I remember taking over very early where we beat Rangers at for Park. That was also a great night. Dick Advocat was the manager. And I've got to say, that was also a very proud, proud night as well.
0: Towards the end of your time at Motherwell, they, obviously they were in a difficult financial uh, situation. Was that one of the reasons that you left Motherwell because of the, their difficult financial situation?
1: Well, they were the first club in Britain to go into administration, uh, Scott. And also, I think there was 19 people. Obviously, at that point, there was 19 redundancies. And what made it very interesting for me was obviously working with a player chief executive in Pat Nevin. That was a very interesting experience as well. Yeah, a player chief executive. I've never heard of that before. (laughs) And that's a very unique uh, thing. Well, as obviously as I said before, as a young manager, you're just having to deal with what's in front of you. And uh, I remember, I remember, obviously delighted and very proud and very thankful of getting the opportunity from mother from Motherwell. At that time, I remember uh, very close with Brian McClure. Uh Chalky was obviously a vastly experienced guy, and I remember leaning leaning on him and asking him a lot of questions and. Getting involved in a lot of conversations, so it was a it was a new experience, as you can imagine. It was a club where John Boyle wanted to be the third force. He was he was in, he was intending on obviously trying to bring in the best quality, but uh, as I said, in the end, uh, it just say it started to go a little bit uh, a little bit south, as you say. And uh, the experience of, of working with that player, chief exec, and the people at the club was, was obviously a, a huge experience for me moving forward. And then you obviously you moved to
0: England and you went to Preston North End and you're working under Craig Brown. What was Craig Brown like as
1: a mentor to you? Well, it was right out the blue. Craig obviously got in touch and I was—I I didn't know Craig that well. I'd seen him at one or two coaching courses. Uh, he asked me whether i come down to, to Preston North End as his first team coach. I was obviously delighted. You're talking about a man that's, I think, three World Cups, two European Championships. And I think something like 70-odd international games for his country. So uh, on and off the pitch, Scott, this is a guy that, that taught you a hell of a lot. And it was also great to, to, to go to Preston and join, join the likes of some Scottish guys down there, Callum Davidson, Graham Alexander, Brian O'Neill. You know, these are guys, Simon Lynch, ex-Celtic as well, Kelvin Wilson, ex-Celtic. All these guys uh, were there at the club at the time. And I've got to say, I went and, and as a first-team coach I then took over as the assistant manager and I learned a hell of a lot from what what was a vastly experienced and very kind Craig Brown. And see, after Craig Brown left, did he not tell you to take the job? Well, what happened, uh, Scott, was that I remember Craig coming to to me to tell me that, obviously, he was leaving the club. Uh, I certainly insisted to Craig that I felt it was only right that I leave with him. Craig said to me that he wanted me to stay on to see what would happen. Uh, I often tell this story, Scott. He did say to me, I've got a pension that can choke a horse. You need to stay here, see what happens, you know, just take one day at a time, etc." So I've done that, Scott, with Craig's best wishes. I eventually got offered the caretaker manager's job and then I got offered the manager's job. I phoned up Craig. I says, Craig, give me your advice here. Craig said, Billy, go ahead. Uh, you've got my best wishes. And uh, I've got to say, Scott, We were very, very close. We had a wonderful time together. And uh, getting his thumbs up, if you like, was obviously very good. And I was obviously very delighted. And obviously you had a
0: great time at Preston. You made the playoffs two seasons in a row. How do you look back on your time there?
1: Well, it was obviously taken over. I remember another one, Jonathan Gould, was also there at the club. A real character, Gouldy. I did join, I've got to say, I joined a wonderful squad of players, vastly experienced players, Look, you need a bit of luck. I went in there as caretaker, got some good results. Didn't start too well, Scott. And then we picked up very well, very quickly. And uh, getting to the two playoffs, one at Cardiff in the Millennium Stadium. Then, of course, uh, the other one at Wembley against West Ham. It was two tremendous experiences. And unfortunately, it just wasn't to be. But again, uh, a club that, that had if you like, not great expectation in comparison with a number of championship clubs. But certainly get to that level and to get to the playoffs was was a wonderful achievement from everybody.
0: And after you left Preston, you went to Derby County. At this point, Billy, your stock is like sky high. And uh, in your first season there, uh, I don't think anyone, including yourself, would expected this. Uh, you got Derby promoted to the Premier League. Um, do you think the team is ready to get promoted that
1: season? It was a three-year plan, Scott. Let's let's get to reality here. What we had was a club that just avoided relegation. They then asked me to come into the club. It was absolutely clear from the owners and the directors that it was a three-year plan. Year one was stability, year two, top ten, and, of course, year three, they expected us to be competing for that promotion place. Here we are 11 months into this first year, Scott. We're now heading to a playoff final for the richest game of football in the world and uh, expectation against a very good West Bromside. And I've got to say that uh, we got there. We got over the line. It was a wonderful, wonderful achievement by all concerned. Um, and uh, it was just phenomenal what happened for us to get there so early. But, Scott, it was two years too early. We know that uh we just had to take what we got and we just had to get ready for what was an unbelievable challenge in the Premier League so at what at what point in the season did you realize oh my God we can actually go up here well I've got to say for the minute I walked into the club and as the season was building up we had very experienced players you know a lot a lot of real top 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 Stevie Howards and Paul pesky Salidos and Seth Johnstons and a real I could name you so many. Uh, Matt Oakley's ex-Southampton captain with so many experienced players. We then added to that and brought in a Stephen Pearson from Celtic who was a fantastic signing and eventually scored the winner at Wembley. And as the season was getting on, as was going on, Scott, you could just feel that we've got a chance here. Confidence was high. Team spirit was excellent. We were well-organised and difficult to beat. And uh, when you get to the playoffs, I've said it all along, it's anybody's, anybody's match. Once you go in there, it's a lottery and all you need is to turn up on the day, get that luck, get the right refereeing decisions as I've said many times and you can go over the line. And what did you say to the boys before the game? Enjoy it. Believe in yourself. Uh, one of the, I think one of the enjoyable things that I've done, if i done, if, if I'd say that to you, was I got all my staff, kit men, uh, bus drivers, uh assistants, goalie coaches, you name it, Scott, I got them all to write something down on the flip chart. Give, give, Tell the players how you feel and give the players some advice. And some of the things that was written down, Scott, some of the motivational things that some of these guys said, don't forget Gordon Guthrie, the kit man, he had been at the club something like, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And for Gordon to have that opportunity to tell the players, here's what I want to say to you. Here's what I want you to think about. And some of the things that these guys wrote, I've got to say, was a great memory for me. me. But my message to the players was simple. You're here for a reason. It's anybody's game. Go out there and believe in it and go and get at them. And I'm sure that you could get over that line and that's exactly what happened against a very good Tony Mowbray West Bromside. And what was that feeling like when the full-time whistle went? Well, I remember Craig Brown saying to me that one of his biggest regrets was that he didn't think in a lot of his biggest achievements that he celebrated enough after the final whistle. So he said to me, Scott, if you win, make sure you enjoy it on the pitch. Make sure you take the time to enjoy the moments. And uh, that those words were ringing in my ear, I've got to say. And I just remember running around with the players. I was trying to get a hold of my family. I couldn't see my family. Obviously, the staff and myself were delighted. And I was just trying to enjoy the moments. And uh, I think I think one of the mistakes that I made, or one thing I had, I actually ran past the Sky Sports, who I wanted to do an interview, Scott. And I didn't mean to run past them. I was just too busy in the moment thinking about all the people getting to the chairman. The chairman come onto the pitch. And uh, we obviously enjoyed the moment together. Staff players and the board, it was fantastic. And the fans, who were fantastic. And how many days did the celebrations last? Well, there was open-top buses. There was there was round derby, um, derby centre. Uh, there was there was all sorts of meetings and all sorts of celebrations. I remember another another one at Pride Park where we opened the, the gates and let all the fans in. There was all sorts of things taking place. Probably the the biggest and most enjoyable memory. Scott was coming out of Wembley, leaving Wembley and travelling to the team hotel with the trophy. All the players' families on the bus. We get to the team hotel. It's obviously packed. We press. It's packed with family, and then that night we go and we have a, a wonderful big party. And uh, that odd as you can imagine, Scott, very early in the morning.
0: <laughs> well, definitely. And it's obviously going into the Premier League season. Do you feel as though you were backed in transfer market in the summer? Well, you've got to understand,
1: Scott. This was a, an outgoing board. Uh, they decided that that, that they. We're going to be a selling club. I didn't go into the Premier League. I only visited the Premier League, and I've said this many, many times. That was the strategy of the club. That was the strategy of the board. They decided that they wanted to be a selling club. They wanted to be an outgoing board. Obviously, when you go into that level, you've got to spend. The first window can be very difficult because of the playoff final and then the short period of time to prepare. The second window is crucial. But uh, at, that, at that time, Scott, I remember, I think it was Harry Redknapp's Tottenham. I remember Harry Redknapp's Spurside, who were an excellent, vastly experienced, well-placed Premier League club. At that time, they spent £50 million. Pounds. And if you look at the spend of, of Derby, then you can see that quite clearly we were visiting it. It was unfortunate that, that there was a, a now new plan it was an outgoing board. It was a selling club. And we just had to go in and do the best we can with the resources that we had. And it obviously towards your time, towards the end of your
0: time at Derby. How would you sum up your relationship with the board? Well, I've got to say,
1: even today, Scott, I still uh, you know, there was a there were six board members at Derby County. I've got to say I've had many conversations over the last number of years with many of them, including the other clubs that I've been with. I had a wonderful uh, reference from Don Amok, one of the owners. I speak regularly to Peter Marples, one of the owners. I've certainly spoke many times to Peter Gatsby, who was the chairman at the time. So I've got to say, Scott, they had their plan. I wanted to compete in the Premier League. We wanted to go in there and do what we could and, and really have a go to it. Unfortunately, they were an outgoing board. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And uh, they, they decided to bring in A new chairman who was appointing his own manager and you just know in football, life moves on. And how would you look back at your time at Derby? Very enjoyable. Uh, You can't pick and choose when you get success. You've just got to take it when it comes. I've got to say, Scott, it was too early. It was too early for everybody concerned. I really did feel for the new players that we brought in. uh, Kenny Miller and Robert Earnshaw and all these other guys that we brought in get into the Premier League. Because the club was clearly changing direction. And I think these guys were very unfortunate. Again, wrong place, wrong time. And I've got to say, the achievement of getting promotion is obviously very proud. Uh, I look back at my experiences there and the playoffs against Southampton. Wonderful memories. The records that we broke. Getting to Wembley and that whole experience. Scott, I'm very fortunate. Many people have tried and failed. And I've got to say, I'm delighted that I've been one of these guys that got there and got
0: over the line. And then just one last thing on Derby, Billy. See, in the summer window, how much did Derby actually
1: spend? Just over £10 million. Just over £10 million. And don't forget, Scott, at that point, with all due respect, we were a mid-table championship club uh, on a three-year plan. And uh, we knew that we had to go and compete over that three years. So once we got over the line... We knew with no no disrespect to the players, but we had to have a big revamp because we're obviously going into that top level where there's huge spend against huge clubs. And to get in there with just over 10 million spend, uh, I think it was obviously very tough. And that's why I say, Scott, we didn't go into the Premier League. I only visited the Premier League with some of the players' staff and, of course, the fans. So the fans were excellent. I can't complain with the
0: fans. They were fantastic. I know that for a fact, because like you can see the Derby fans; they absolutely love you. Because I think the last time
1: they were in the Premiership was it was it was under you. Yeah, yeah. I've got to say, I, just recently I was at a Blackpool Derby game. Uh, the fans I met there were very complimentary. They were all first class, talking about the good old days. And uh, it's a true, it's a true saying, Scott, isn't it? People only respect and and uh, understand you when you're not there, and uh, when you leave, people soon realise how good they had it and uh, the achievement, how how big the achievement was. So the, the fans have been, I've got to say, the Derby fans were first class and still are first class. No, you're spot on, Billy. And uh, your last spell in
0: management was in 2014 with Forest. but since then, uh, what have you been up to?
1: Well, again, Scott, two, two playoffs. Forrest, Forrest in uh, 2009, we finished third and then we finished sixth. 79 points and 77 points. Again, a, a club that we took over with the youngest squad in the championship. A lot of changes required. Huge club. Tremendous fans. Absolutely. Again, tremendous support. Uh, especially when they're singing that Mull of Kintyre before the matches, their, their famous song. And uh, we had a great, great experience at, at Nottingham Forest as well. And uh, as I said, great achievements. Worked with some wonderful players and staff. And uh, I've got to say, it was it was first class. Yeah. And obviously, what have you been up to since then? Well, since then, Scott, I've got to say, when I left the second time at Forest, uh, I got a little bit disenchanted um, for a little period after I left. I then had to face some very serious family health issues. That was a number of years which took place. And I've got to say, that was a, that was a real worry and a concern. After we go over all that stuff, Scott, I decided to build on my qualifications. Uh, I went to Liverpool University for a diploma in football management. Believe it or not, I'm going back to university in the summer to go into the it's called a graduate in strategic leadership. Uh, building qualifications, I've been doing a lot of continued personal development. I've been doing a lot of reviewing on first aid and women's football, mental health, psychology, uh, you know, disabled football. Scott, I've done every course north and south of the border. I've done every CPD north and south of the border. I've now started to go to games north and south of the border, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. And I've got to say, I'm buzzing. I'm focused. I've got my energy back. I've got my passion back. And I'm now ready to go.
0: Oh, magic. Magic, Billy. Have you had any job interviews since then?
1: I've spoke to some people, Scott, uh, but I've got to say, had conversations, but it's never went anywhere. Why it's not went anywhere, that's up to other people to try and pose those questions and get to those answers. But uh, I've had conversations, but nothing's happened. Yeah, did you not have an interview with Hearts, I think, seven years ago? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I got I got a call from my agent, uh, Lee Doyle, who asked me uh, whether i go and speak to Hearts. He received a call from Hearts. I went along to Edinburgh. Uh, it became very, very... Within minutes, Scott, I knew straight away, it became very clear that the club were looking to change the figurehead. I thought at the time when I was doing the interview, uh, Craig Levine was in at that interview. I like Craig. I got on well with Craig. No disrespect to Craig. But I always felt that Craig was ready to step into the role, which eventually happened. I withdrew from the the, the job um, situation and eventually Craig got the job. So it was a, it was another interview that went nowhere, Scott, uh, and became very clear very early that uh, the figurehead was going to change and obviously Craig was ready to step in. And uh, throughout your whole
0: managerial career, Billy, you've always been like the Rangers' job. <laughs> you've always been like me. I need ask you, have you ever had that interview at Ibrox?
1: You know, I've got to say, Scott, way back since, I think, 2004, six, maybe say 2006, I've always been linked with this job, always. And uh, I've always said that that, uh, it's a challenge that I would relish. Sadly, I've never had an interview. Sadly, they've never spoken to me. They've went many different directions. And uh, again, you sit back and you wonder, and you do pose the question, why not speak? What's taking place and why not Why not conversations? But I've got to say, um, it just didn't happen uh, for whatever reason over, over all those different periods from 2006. And uh, I wish them well. That's what clubs can do. They make their own choices, make their own decisions. And good luck to them. So
0: I'm uh, 27, I'm gonna be 27 in two months, Billy, right? And ever since I've been a wee guy, you've always been linked with that job. <laughs> I remember it as a wee guy as well when I think it was after Le Gwen left. And I think you were linked with the job. You were one of the bookie's favourites, and I remember it clear as day. But yeah, that's one thing I find really surprising, the fact that you've always been like the job but never had an interview. And that baffles me.
1: Well, I've got to say, Scott, walking down the streets and walking into the shopping centres and you know, going to games and all sorts of things. Particularly Rangers games, when I go to Rangers games, I've got to say, it's one of the million-dollar questions that I keep getting asked from all the Rangers fans. Why not? Why, why are this club not speaking to you? Why have they not spoken to you? What is going on? I can't answer the question. All I can do is register an interest in what I do with many other jobs and clubs. Uh, sometimes we're contacted by third parties. And I've got to say, Scott, it's, it's disappointing. Obviously, as an ex-Rangers player... Someone that's just down the road. Uh, but, I, I don't, listen, I don't I don't have any ill will against them. At the end of the day, it's up to them. They can appoint who they like. They can refuse who they like. I wish them well. And uh, it's just one of these things that, that, that other people, again, are better, better in a better position. They go and find out what the answers are. Uh, Chris
0: Boyd said that you're the best manager he's ever worked under. What was it like working with Boydie?
1: Well, I've got to say it it was a pleasure uh, to bring Boyd in. Uh, At that time, Boyd Boyd was not playing um, at Middlesbrough. He was out of the team. I looked at Boyd and we decided we're going to bring Boyd in on loan. He came into Forest. He scored goals. He brightened up the dressing room. He brightened up the training ground. He's got a fantastic character. I really enjoyed my time. What I didn't enjoy on the odd occasion when we flew from Glasgow to East Midlands, he never put his hand in his pocket for a cup of tea, Scott, on the flight. He wouldn't he buy you a Kit Kat. He, he just, I mean, this guy just, I, I used to say to him every single, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it was, Pointy, are you ever going to put your hand in your pocket and buy us a cup of tea? But uh, no, I've got to say, Scott, great lad. Great, great personality, personality, wonderful goal scorer. And to watch him in the training ground, and the way that he finishes from crosses and from, you know, passes and turns and it was just it was just a top top class finisher and a wonderful lad to to
0: manage and to be involved with. And obviously, Boydies played under some really good managers, so that must be a big compliment
1: for yourself saying that you're the
0: best he's worked under.
1: Yeah, but it cost me two hundred quid for him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me two hundred quid, Scott. Now, listen, as I said before, what I've tried to do all my career is I've tried to. Treat people the right way. Try and be as honest as you can with the players. Got to be disciplined. Got to be organised. Yeah, players have got to know what's at stake and the, the the expectation and the traditions of each club. And from that, Scott, you try and win over the players' respect. And that's something that I've always had at every club. I've always got on with the players and the staff and the tea ladies and the bus drivers and the kit men and the ground staff. I've got to say I had wonderful relationships and still have to this day. And it's all down to I think, treating people fairly, showing them a bit of respect, no matter what their position is, and uh, trying to get the best out of everyone at the club. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to achieve the same reason and the same ambition, which is to move the club forward. So the next uh, plan for yourself, Billy, is definitely get back into football management. Scott, I've never been more ready than now. I've never been more prepared on and off the pitch. I've got to say, I've never been more excited. I'm really excited about the next challenge and the next chapter. I'll continue to build the qualifications. I'll continue to travel all over the country. Uh, In the middle of February, I'm going, I'm I'm, I'm taking a journey to Benfica. Uh, At the end of February, I'm going down to Everton for three days. I'm going to Crystal Palace for three days. And I'll keep doing what I do, Scott, and all, all I'm waiting on now is the right opportunity or an opportunity to step back onto the training ground, get the boots back on, and uh, hopefully win the respect of the people at the club and bring them some bring them some
0: some success. And so, would you even take a role as a like an assistant as assistant manager, or like any other role? Like, would you be open to anything? Well, to be honest, Scott, uh,
1: I've got to say to you that the next two two licenses I'm going to get at some point, I'm going to do a sporting directors licence and I'm also going to do a, a youth licence. I've got no interest at all in being, at this at this moment, being a sporting director. I've got no interest at all in running or heading up a youth situation. I'm a, I see myself as a training ground coach, stroke manager. I enjoy organising the team. I enjoy working with the players. I enjoy preparing, training and preparing for games. And uh, you never say never in football, but if you ask me where I want to go, Scott, then quite clearly, I want to go back into that hot seat of head coach or manager because I thoroughly enjoyed it and I love that job. And then, uh, Billy,
0: just to finish off, I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions. And if you've got any brilliant stories about who I'm going to ask you about, uh, fire away. So, who would you say is the best player that you've ever played with,
1: Scott? You know that's a, that's an a, an incredible question. Because I've obviously played with so, so many top, top players. And I could throw at you at every single club, real quality players, real, real quality. But the, the, the one obviously that sticks out in my mind, not only as a, a player, but as a guy that enjoyed his company, David Cooper was just up there with the best of them. The Coop was just a fantastic lad. And uh, as a young player, he treated me so well. He gave me advice. He was always there to assist and to watch this guy and to train with this guy, then I've got to say the Coup was certainly up there with the best of them. And then your best mate
0: in football, I think DL's going to... You'll, you'll probably need to say DL. Scott,
1: you need to help me out here. You know, I've got to say DL, otherwise I'll get flat tyres on my bike. He'll try and snap my golf clubs. He'll badmouth me in the radio. Scott, I've got to say DL at the minute. I've got to. That's fair enough, mate. Fair enough. <laughs> and uh, the best manager that you've played under... Well, I think, like myself, I think that you learn from every manager. I certainly have learned from every manager that I've worked with, looking looking at my career as a young player at Rangers, all the way through, not only to the the managers, but also to the assistant managers, because I have worked with great assistant managers. And uh, I don't think there's one that I could single out, Scott. All I would say to you is that every single manager has taught me the good, the bad and the indifferent and like myself we've all got our strengths we've got our weaknesses and you've just got to try and stick to your beliefs and do what you can and lead people in the right way so difficult question Scott but I would say to you I've learned from every one of them not only the managers but also the number twos there were some fantastic number twos and some, some fantastic first team coaches and the, the best manager you've played against the best fans no, the best manager you've played against best man oh Played against many, many top, top guys. Uh, I've got to say that, again, down in England, there were so many real, real top, top people. International managers, foreign managers, English managers, Scottish managers. I played against them all, Scott. Uh, And again, it's difficult to single one out because every game was a challenge. Every game was different. They had all prepared their teams differently. They had all different experiences but I certainly have looking at my career. I've came across some real wise old characters, young, enthusiastic guys that were really up for the fight and I've enjoyed every every single battle, I've got to
0: say. And then what's the, the, the most angriest you've ever got after a game with with, like with your team?
1: Well, I think it's you pick your moments, don't you? You've got to pick your moments and uh, you, you now know that when I first started in management, the football dressing room was different. Players were different. You know, you had that—that these real characters in the, in the dressing room and guys that you could grab by the throat and you could have that debate with them. And Now it's different, Scott. You've got to be a bit more fragile. You've got to be a bit more careful, a bit more understanding. There's different cultures you've got to consider and respect. And uh, it's all about picking your moments. Sometimes you've got to be calm. Sometimes you've got to say nothing and be quiet. Other times you've got to go in there and you've got to shake up the dressing room and try and get the best out of one or two people. And again, it's all down to clever man management, I think, Scott. That's important. And uh,
0: speaking of that, actually, I don't know if you've seen what happened with Troy Deeney uh, last week. Did you see it? Yeah,
1: I think it, I think it was... it was. Uh, and I know Troy very well. Very sad to see him go. Very sad to see him not getting that time. Not just that, but these young managers, as a young manager, you, you don't do everything right, Scott. You know, sometimes you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing. And it's just disappointing and sad because he's, he, he was was a fantastic player. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He did as a player, I'm sure he did as a manager. And I was very disappointed to see him go. And it's obviously seen his last game in charge, we've seen his, what he said in his post-match
0: interview. Is that something you would ever do where you would come out and lambast the players like that or would you just keep
1: that in the dressing room? Well, you we can't pick and choose. It's di- Different managers, managers have got different approaches. Sometimes when you go out, when you go out to the press after games, sometimes you can say things that you you, you regret. Sometimes you, you just be you can be a little bit hot headed or or a little bit reactive. As you get through your, your your career, you learn a little bit better to just control your emotions. You can't fault him, Scott. He's not the first young manager to do that. He won't be the last. There's been experience. I've seen Roy Hodgson do that, for example, at seventy nine. So, he's not the only guy to have done it. And uh, I'm sure, in hindsight, he would have toned it down a little bit. But, do you fault him? He can't fault anybody. It's just, it's an emotional game. It's a very reactive game at times. And uh, I'm just sad to see the lad lose his job over it and not get that opportunity that he deserves. So, what advice would you give to young coaches coming up in the game today? Stick to your beliefs. Continue with your education, very important. Uh, Understand that man management is very important. You've got to be disciplined, you've got to be organised, you've got to look far and wide and continue to do the club visits. The coaching courses are very important. Conversations with other people in the game, not just managers, but other, other people in different positions and levels of the game. Look at other coaches and other sports, I think is very important. And uh, it's all about believing in yourself, sticking to your principles, but can continue to evolve, Scott. That's very important. And uh, who do you think will win the Scottish Premiership this season? Oh, that's a question and a half from a Rangers man. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be done, Billy. <laughs> well, it's got to be done, mate. Listen, you know, as, a, as, as, a, as an ex-Rangers player, I can't even win or lose here. If I see Celtic, all oh, you guys are going to batter me. If I say Rangers or oh, the Celtic guys are going to, going to say, ah, oh, you're biased towards the Rangers. I, I've got to say that uh, it's very difficult to call at this stage. Uh, Celtic, of course, looks strong. Rangers are certainly picking up the pace and are becoming a threat. And uh, it, it will be a it will be a tough, tough one to call, Scott. So I'm going to say it to you politely. I'm going to sit in the fence. How does that uh, sound? Classic <laughs> well, <I see> politician <laughs> answer, Billy. And, uh,
0: <laughs> and uh, just the last question. Uh, this is one, I asked this question to everyone that comes on the podcast. Who's better, Ronaldo or Messi?
1: Two different types of players, aren't they? Uh, you've got to say that, that both of them, difficult to separate. Both match winners, both goal scorers, both tremendous ability. Fantastic skill. Uh, I just think they're different types of players, Scott. Uh, if I was to pick one, you asked me to pick one, uh, I've got to say that, that Messi is one that you've got to say from a football ability-wise and talent and the way that he twists and he turns and the skill that he's got and the tricks that he's got. I've got to say Messi is top-class Ronaldo. Uh, is super fit. He's he epitomizes how you should look after yourself, the type of condition you should be in. Uh, A wonderful finisher, great pace, uh, excellent set piece taker, great mover off the ball, etc. He's just, uh, you know, if if, you want me to buy the two of them, I'll buy the two of them, Scott. uh, No problem at all. My next club, if you say they're available, I'll take a chance on both of them. How does that sound? It sounds perfect, Billy.
0: (laughs) But Billy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. I really enjoyed it.
1: Scott, as I said to you, it's a pleasure to chat to you, mate. If you need anything, don't hesitate to call me. Don't hesitate to pick up the phone, give me a text. And I'm more than happy to help you at any point. Thank you
0: very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott's Score, they're available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.